0: It's Wednesday, September the 23rd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, COVID-19 claims 200,000 Americans and Republican Senators lock arms. First, the world in brief. America passed a grim milestone marking 200,000 COVID-19 deaths. In Britain, a resurgent daily rate of infections prompted Prime Minister Boris Johnson to reimpose strict rules, which he said might be in place for six months. Several other European countries are heading into a dreaded second wave. India was breaking records with more than 90,000 new cases a day, until, a few days ago, it started counting radically fewer. Regardless, it is on course to have the world's largest caseload. Brazil, in third place, is trying to reopen its football stadiums at 30% capacity. Senator Mitt Romney said he would support holding a vote on President Donald Trump's Supreme Court nominee. That should secure sufficient Republican backing to start the process of appointing a replacement for the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The party has a majority of 53 to 47 and only two of its senators oppose a vote. Mr Trump said he would announce his choice on Saturday. Andrew Bailey, the governor of the Bank of England, said Britain's central bank could use negative interest rates but played down expectations that it would do so imminently. Since the bank first mooted the idea in August, financial markets have predicted negative rates by early next year. The pound rose slightly against the dollar after Mr Bailey's comments. Nearly 70% of voters in a referendum in Italy favoured reducing the size of the country's parliament. The number of MPs in the lower House and Senate will be cut from 945 to 600 by 2023. The Five Star Movement, part of the governing coalition, reckons the reduction will save 1 billion euros, 1.2 billion dollars over the course of a decade. A court in Beijing sentenced a critic of President Xi Jinping to 18 years in prison on charges of corruption. Ren Yecheng, a property tycoon, went missing in March after calling Mr. Xi a bare-naked clown in an essay critical of his response to COVID-19. Human rights campaigners have accused China of using corruption charges to silence dissenters. President Xi Jinping said China, the world's biggest greenhouse gas emitter, will become carbon neutral by 2060, after hitting peak carbon emissions around 2030. Mr. Xi's pledge at the United Nations General Assembly is a fillip for the UN, whose efforts to lead action against climate change have spluttered. It is also a handy rebuke to climate change sceptics in America's government. And Tesla unveiled plans to half the cost of the batteries used in its electric cars within three years. By building its own fuel cells and using fewer components, it aims to cut the price of some vehicles to $25,000, comparable to that of a combustion engine car. With characteristic bluster, Elon Musk, Tesla's boss, said the firm would soon build 20 million vehicles a year. Last year, it delivered 367,500. And now, here's today's agenda. Stumping Grounds The Midwest Judging by their travel schedules, America's competing presidential campaigns view the Midwest as crucial for victory. Donald Trump visited Ohio earlier this week after having recently swung by Minnesota and Wisconsin. His running mate Mike Pence will be in Wisconsin and Minnesota on Thursday. Joe Biden spoke to workers in an aluminium factory in Manitowoc, eastern Wisconsin on Monday. That is the sort of smallish city where voters, especially blue-collar ones, shunned Democrats in favour of Republicans in 2016. The former Vice President's running mate Kamala Harris is in Michigan on Tuesday and his wife Jill addresses an online event in Wisconsin today. The Democrats' strategy is to preserve Mr Biden's leads in Michigan, Minnesota and Wisconsin, which together have 36 electoral votes. The Republicans will aim to keep states Mr Trump won in 2016, including Michigan and Wisconsin, in his corner. The stakes are rising, as early postal voting for the election has already begun in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Pared Down Canada's Parliamentary Agenda A resurgence of COVID-19 in Canada will overshadow its new parliamentary session opening today. Justin Trudeau had planned to trumpet a green post-pandemic rebuilding programme in his throne speech, which the Prime Minister uses to outline the government's plans. But Mr Trudeau has discovered Canadians are more worried about jobs, rent payments, bankruptcies and a second lockdown. So his liberal minority government will retreat to a more prosaic agenda, addressing weaknesses that the pandemic revealed in healthcare, housing, child and elderly care and also how to ease people and businesses off emergency benefit programmes. A green revamp of the economy will have to wait. For now, that should ensure Mr Trudeau's government survives a confidence vote next week. Conservative leader Erin O'Toole and Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchette are in isolation with Covid-19. And besides, as Mr Trudeau has said, no one wants an election now. Highway to Hell Lebanon Seven weeks after an explosion rocked their capital, it is business as usual for Lebanon's politicians. At the United Nations General Assembly today, officials will meet to urge the swift formation of a new government. The process has been anything but. The Prime Minister resigned after the explosion at Beirut's port on August 4th, which killed almost 200 people. His designated successor, Mustafa Adip, wants to form a small cabinet of political independence but the two main Shia parties, Amal and Hezbollah, are blocking him, insisting on control of the finance ministry. While they argue, Lebanon sinks. A banking crisis has devalued the currency and pushed annual inflation to more than 100%. Half the population lives in poverty. Thousands of families cannot afford to fix homes ruined by the blast. Asked what would happen if Lebanon fails to form a government, the president, Michel Aoun, was blunt. We're going to hell. Many Lebanese feel they have already arrived there. Low-hanging fruit, Apple in India. Apple has been operating in India since 2008, but has still managed to capture less than 1% of the market for smartphones. Today, the company will unveil its first online store in the world's second largest smartphone market, which is currently dominated by Chinese players. Previously, Indian shoppers had to buy Apple products from third-party retailers or other countries' online stores, which made their phones more expensive. 9 out of 10 smartphones sold in the country cost under $300 whereas Apple does not offer any new phones at this price. In July, the company partnered with Foxconn, a Taiwanese contract manufacturer, to assemble the iPhone 11 in India, lopping off the 20% import duty levied on imported electronic items. Because of Covid-19, analysts expect online sales of smartphones, already the biggest category in e-commerce in India, to surpass those from physical outlets. That could help Apple grow. Lukewarm welcome. Europe's Asylum Compromise The European Commission expects to win few friends when it releases proposals to shake up the European Union's asylum rules today. EU countries are hopelessly divided on the topic and have been since 2015 when the migration crisis was at its peak. Some want to share asylum seekers while others refuse to take any at all. Although most countries want much stricter rules on the processing of arrivals, the frontline states that will actually have to do this, such as Greece, Italy and Spain, worry that they will be stranded with refugee camps at their borders. Likewise, a plan to make it easier to deport failed asylum seekers will be sharply scrutinised by NGO groups. Coming up with a plan that placates or annoys equally these different groups will be no easy task. No one will be satisfied, says Eva Johansson, the commissioner behind the proposals. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Ray Charles, who was born on this day in 1930. What is a soul? It's like electricity. We don't really know what it is, but it's a force that can light a room. That's it from The Economist morning briefing available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app